All right. Welcome back to Opening Up the Tent podcast. I am your host, Father Craig Hallway, pastor at Mary Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome, friends, back. Uh, joining me always, Jimmy V. Jimmy, how you doing? Hey, Father Craig. How's it going? Good. Good today. Good today. How you doing? Uh, good. Um, yeah. So then we're going to try something new on the podcast today. We're going to do a we're going to review a book. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk about a book. Um, but le- before we start, uh, let me ask you something, uh, Jimmy. If every day of your life is a five-pound bag, how much stuff do you try to jam in there? At least seven or eight pounds, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And how does that usually work out for you? Sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes right. it's frustrating right right yeah i think we could all probably identify that right we all know that common adage right you got a five pound bag and trying to put 10 pounds of stuff in it right yeah it never ends right um that's kind of the theme we're going to talk about today uh friends we're going to talk about a book uh the author is john mark homer c-o-m-e-r he's a protestant minister out on the west coast and uh, he's got several great books, but the one that we're going to talk about today is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And we want to recommend it to you. It's a great read. Uh, you can also listen to it. Uh, it's a great uh, book on uh, the spiritual life. And uh, in particular, sort of one of the vices that can contaminate a spiritual life. And that is the vice of hurry. And so uh, Comer's book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Um, Jimmy, what did you think of this book? Uh, I listened to it last summer. And, um, you know, when you read a book, you have like one, when I think relentless uh, elimination of hurry, I think it really stressed the importance of the Sabbath to me. Like, I know we're going to get there. But yeah. like when I see that little red book, I was just like, um, the Sabbath, like, yeah, 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 good. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of his main themes. Right. And so, uh, the, the author, just to give you a little background, uh, friends, he's a Protestant, um, evangelical minister, uh, but we Catholics would find his theology and his verbiage, uh, very familiar, uh, so uh, don't worry about um, sort of the the Protestant tenor of his teaching or his theology. Uh, it's it's very uh, it's it's very it would sound very familiar uh, to us. And so um, yeah, he uh, he 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 breaks up the book um, into. Uh, four or five different sections, and Jimmy's right. And one of those, towards the ends, he talks about the the importance of uh, the Sabbath. But his basic thesis is this, uh, friends. Um, his he he says that the one of the things that's really eroding at our emotional and spiritual life is the busyness and the hurry uh, that is a component part of the modern world. And uh, that, of course, takes all kinds of different um, manifestations. Uh, and he spends a lot of time sort of slapping around uh, the current 
uh, zeitgeist of modern culture. He calls them the isms, consumerism, materialism, workaholism, so on and so forth. Um, and but ba his basic thesis is that you know we've we've gotten so caught up into um, hurry and into busyness that it has distracted us from true emotional and spiritual health. And because it has threatened our emotional and spiritual health, it makes us feel first disconnected from Almighty God and then disconnected from uh, the people in our life. And then the last thing I'll say before we sort of uh, bring, start talking about this is that he really does see hurry. And here he uh, quotes someone we've mentioned on this podcast before, the very famous psychologist Carl Jung, who said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. So he he then cites uh, Jesus and, and, and other um, uh, religious figures outside of scripture, just talking about how hurry and busyness really does harm the spiritual life. Uh, and so that's the problem that he he diagnoses in the first part of the book. He he calls hurry the great enemy of the spiritual life. Um, what what are you thinking, Jimmy? What do you what what did you you sort of glean from that first part of the book, and and how would you diagnose the problem? Well, it was a little ironic to me that I didn't do my podcasting homework, and I uh, was you know I spent the morning listening to this book at one and a half times speed <laughs> to be prepared <laughs> to refresh myself for the book for the podcast. So I did find that a little ironic. You're part of the problem. I mean, dude, I'm the poster child for this. <laughs> yeah, how so? Talk a little bit about that. How, how, what's how would you diagnose your own your own hurry? It's just like, and then part of, you. Know, so I, my biggest, I you know, my least favorite word in the English language is what's that? Busy, busy. Yeah, yeah, it's a four letter yeah. word, huh? I've seen some really lazy people claim to be busy. <laughs> So right. he, I've always been suspicious of that word. It's I've always felt like busyness is un undisciplined use of your mind. Oh, there time. you go. There you go. That's a great definition, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about that. Right. At one point, he says, you know, our busyness is the gap between um, our capacity and then our reality, you know, so. Uh, I do this all the time, you know, you, you, um, you know, people that that kind of maybe know or don't know what a priest does every day. Um, you know, we we have a a very varied and uh, what can be a, a really packed calendar outside of Sunday, you know, on any given day. Uh, today's a perfect example. I have eight different appointments with eight different people or groups of people talking about eight very different topics and i tend to i, I tend to to 
to stagger those appointments. So in 60 minute increments, one after the other. So I like to do that because the earlier I get done, the earlier I'm done. But then the downside of that is that I'm constantly on the go and I don't have time to process. I don't have time to integrate. Um, you do that like, do you have like a day of the week that are your meeting days or you're like, you'll do meetings any day of the week? I'll do, I'll do meetings any day of the week. I'll so do like, meetings any day of the week. I used to do that. And then I'm just like, all right, I'm going to batch all sales calls. I'm going to batch all meetings to one day. So wow. like, yeah, one day of the week does suck, but like yeah. the rest of the, their other, other open days are, um, you know, open. Yeah. Instead yeah. of like a, a slow grind, but I, I'm with yeah. you. Like I woke up today with my, task list to do list and like you know i'm like a bull in a china shop trying to get that done and i get a little a little aggravated if somebody gets in my way or something right right yeah yeah we sort of get uh we sort of get that that um uh that tunnel vision you know we sort of when we when we start to get busy when we start to get over committed uh we we tend to put on sort of blinders uh, to what's going on around us. And, you know, one of the things that Comer diagnoses um, or, or one of the symptoms, I suppose, of, of his busyness, of, or we should use his word, hurry, um, is that we tend to be distracted. We tend to be distracted. And th this is really where we get to the crux of his his thesis, his hypothesis is that one thing that has fallen away because of our multidimensional lives is that we've become so distracted that we've turned our attention from not only our own emotional and spiritual health, but also we've turned our attention away from God the Father. We, I, we have the way I've heard it, like told to me, is like the only thing you actually own is your attention. Oh, that's interesting. That's and interesting. So, yeah, I had a, a a coach tell me that it's just like, and if you're not intentionally owning that attention, like everyone around you will, you will suffer first, but everyone around you will will suffer. Like if oh, that's interesting. If like the kids like know you're not, you know, you're somewhere else, like they, they know, like I'm yeah. assuming a spouse, uh, my spouse knows when I'm definitely not checked in. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, and they say, they say uh, that children are particularly adept at picking up when they're being uh, marginalized or or uh, ignored. ignored or relegated to being another thing to do or handle or deal with. Children are particularly adept um, to picking up on that. I don't know where I heard that, but um, that's a, that's a good point. So you know, if 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 children are are particularly um, adept to picking that up. You can only imagine what God must feel like when we relegate him and our relationship with him um, to, um, 
to uh, to to a lower priority. But that's putting the cart before the horse a little bit. You know, I think we want to we eventually we want to arrive at that point. But uh, you know, we can sort of look to to Jesus Himself, who sort of shows us what it's like to be attentive and what it's like to be present um, to, to the situation or, and really at the, on the other end of every situation, I think it's important to remember that there's a person, right? There's a person um, on, on the other end of that, um, uh, of, on the other end of that situation or that relationship, there's always a, a person. And so uh, Jesus then uh, uses uh, his teaching, of course, to um, to inspire us. And in, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, he talks about the easy yoke, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And then Comer does a great job of explaining what yoke means and um, and 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 the invitation that Jesus uh, gives us in in that that teaching of of his yoke being easy and light. And so it's a really beautiful part of the a beautiful part of the book where Comer. I thought talks this was his best part of the book. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because it didn't didn't the first Christians like they was called the the like in the Acts of the Apostles, being Christian, they they call themselves followers of the way, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, the followers of the way. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So they, yeah, go ahead, Jimmy. And so he lays out that, you know, okay, mm -hmm. if you want to follow the way, like, you know, I, I don't believe if, um, if Jesus had an Instagram account, he would be very like craving hit dopamine hits for his likes. <laughs> like now they're right. on Instagram, but like it can all go too far. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, for sure. I think I think you're right. I think uh, you know, Jesus would have gone for quality over quantity. Oh, he would have still crushed. Don't get me. Oh, wrong. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, you know, you're right. That that's a great point, you know. So uh yeah, in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we read that the early early followers of Jesus called themselves the followers of the way. And really the focus here is a point that Comer takes up in his book. It's that Jesus is not only our savior and redeemer and that he is, but he's also the teacher of a way of life. And that's really what Comer is 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 offering up a perspective that the gospel is not just about Jesus being Lord and Savior, which of course he is, but he's also offering a lesson on how to live. And, and that's that's the yoke, but that yoke is easy and light. And so the like, first part of the book is all about that. Go ahead. That was my favorite part of the book. It's like, hey, yeah. it's salvation. And it is it is submitting to a process. Like yeah. there is submission, but it's a it's and it's not like, hey, I'm a Christian. I get to do whatever I want. Yippee, hooray. It's like, no, you're gonna submit to a yoke. Yeah. But it's the best one out there. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so it's 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 a yoke that is easy and light as opposed to a yoke 
that is truly, truly burdensome, truly, truly uncomfortable, truly painful. And that would be life without, without a rule, you know, and we've talked about that before on, on previous podcasts where we've talked about law and freedom and the moral life. So some of these themes are starting to repeat themselves as, as we, we, we start applying them to things like Comer's book and the, and the call to discipleship. So that's just something to keep in mind, folks. And so what, what maybe you can start to, to ask the Lord to open your heart, to begin to see connections between the various topics that we're 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 discussing on our podcast. I want I want to digress for just a moment. So you know, um, your your IQ, your in, intelligent quotient, you know, which is um, you know sort of this measuring. I don't know exactly how they do it. I've never taken a um, an IQ test before. Have you Have you ever done that, Jimmy? No, I, I wasn't like one of the gifted children. No one <laughs> yeah. cared. No one cared to measure my IQ. <laughs> all right, all right, you and me both. So here's. <laughs> Here's here, but here's what I know. Here's what I know. My brother, my brother says that I'm the dumbest smart person he knows. Um, so that 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 give, that goes to show uh, how brilliant I really am. My brother thinks I'm a moron. So uh, and he's not far off. So, uh, but anyways, but here's what I know about the intelligent quotient, the IQ. When they measure, when they measure your intelligent quotient, one of the things that they do is they try to, or they offer you what seems to be um, disconnected and disjointed and even um, contradictory statements, ideas, images, and you're, you're invited to, or you're challenged to make a connection between the two. So make a connection between two seemingly disparate ideas. So that's really what we're trying to do with this podcast too, is dump, dump information and insights across a wide variety of the Catholic Christian life. And then hopefully you'll begin, all of us will begin to make connections between those disparate ideas. And so here we have something like, again, Comer's idea about the ruthless elimination of hurry is connected to making good moral choices. And it's connected to freedom as God intends it. And so anyways, that's where that's where the uh, the spiritual IQ, so to speak. Um, so anyways, uh, it's it's it, then then towards the end of the book, friends, he talks about um, four practices, what he calls spiritual disciplines for unhurrying your life unhurrying your life. This is the longest part of uh, the book. He takes about 120 pages or so to talk about it. And um, he offers four, uh, we're going to, I'm going to name all four, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Sabbath. Um, and, and, and then you can read the others. So silence and solitude, that's the first one. Uh, Sabbath is the second one. Simplicity is the third one. And then the fourth one is what he calls slowing, slowing. So silence and solitude, the Sabbath, 
simplicity, and then slowing. Those are the four spiritual disciplines that Comer offers as practical steps we can take to unhurry our life. So, um, Jimmy, you wanted to talk about Sabbath. You were you were caught by his discussion on Sabbath. What what captivated you there? Um, it's just you. You like to convince yourself. I mean, I think part of the whole "I'm busy," "I'm in a hurry." Everybody loves to do that so they can be a, say that so they can be a martyr, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I I know I've done it. Like, oh, I can't yeah. take. I can't take a day off on Sunday. I'm too important. No way. Right. And like after reading this book, like I took a legitimate, like, um, look at it. Like I will not touch anything to do with work on Sunday. Um, like no phone, no nothing. And then like, generally I end up taking like two, two and a half hour nap, which is (laughs) incredible. Right Right on. Yeah. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, uh, that's but, the the point of the Sabbath. Go ahead. There was also a, a faith aspect of it. It's like, no, yeah. hey, hey, like I created the whole world in six. You're really, really not that important. You can take this day. So right. there, there was also some humbling that went along with it. But as I read the book, like it was this book that made me decide to get pretty religious about the Sabbath. Boom, boom, right on, right. waka, 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 well played. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly, yeah, me me too, you know, me too. I, um, you know, and, and, and of course the irony is that I work on the Sabbath, you know, I work on a Sunday, so uh, it has sort of re-energized my commitment to my day off, which is Friday, so that's my Sabbath, um, a day two, uh, with the exception of celebrating mass in the morning uh, to take the rest of the day off. Um, and, and if I can't, like if I have a wedding rehearsal or um, uh, some kind of parish function, uh, I might have to find other time to disconnect. And you're right. Comer talks a lot about, yeah. And he steeps it. I loved how he steeped it in Genesis. You know, he started by, by talking about Genesis and, you know, God creates on the sixth day uh, in six days. And then, you know, he takes the seventh uh, to rest. And if if God needs to rest on the Sabbath, then, you know, surely we too uh, need a day of of rest. And and then, of course, he goes on to talk about the quality, what would be the quality of that rest? You know, what does it mean to rest? Uh, what does it mean to take a Sabbath? Um, what what is included and what is excluded? And I think Comer does a great job of of two things. One, he does present sort of this radical adoption of the Sabbath, but then it's also kind of sensible too. You know, I think he realizes he himself is married with children, and so you know you can you can imagine the commitments. And of course, he's a pastor as well, so he's working on a Sunday too, but boy, he is really sort of militant about, um, about keeping the Sabbath. Um, and, and I found that reassuring and I found that edifying even for myself too. I got a funny story about that from, yeah, go. I think we might've talked about this, but on the Exodus, uh, seminar with, uh, Peterson on the daily wire, yeah, yeah, there was like a whole, like 40 minute long discussion between, uh, Dennis Prager 
and Jordan Peterson. And Jordan Peterson's like, he starts espounding the benefits of the Sabbath, right? Of, yeah. wow, this was really genius for this to happen. And then, and, he, and then uh, Prager's like, you know, I and most people should know who Prager is, but he's a, a Jewish intellectual. And he's like, I only do the Sabbath because God told me to do the Sabbath. Yeah. And so him and Peterson going back and forth. And after 20 minutes of Peterson saying, what a great idea the Sabbath is. He's like, oh yeah, but I never do it. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. No and then, way. And Prager's like, the only reason you'll do it, the only reason I do it is because you're told by God to do it. And then Demanded, I, yeah. I completely agree to it. Like the only way you're going to adopt a good Sabbath, like, like, I don't believe this is true, but I play a little game in my head. Like, Hey, if I don't do this, uh, you know, I have, I, I've been commanded to do this. And if I don't do yeah. this, there could be some adverse consequences. Right. And right. So, wow. but that's where, um, like we've said this a couple of times on the podcast, like, I like being like, hey, I'm an American. Like, this America, don't do anything to me. Don't tell me anything to do. But like, right. when I'm functioning at my best, it's generally because somebody told me what to do. Right, exactly. Right, right. Well, the military has has trained that into you, right? Yeah, but I was like a rebellious soldier. I was on the, oh. the spectrum of always in trouble, but could affect him. Right. But I mean, do you find any... Not not to deviate from the subject too much, but I find this fascinating. I mean, do you find any freedom in obedience? That's the only place I find it. Oh wow! Okay, okay. Like oh, so, and I was I've been thinking about this because Peterson talks a lot about this, but like, you know, the the new age child psychologist is like, well, you don't want to give a child a scoreboard or any rules because that could make them not in touch with themselves, right? Right. So imagine right. this scenario. I throw out a bag of balls, of baseballs, and like five bats. Yeah. And say, no rules, boys. You do you. Really express yourself out here. Like, do you know <laughs> how bored they would be and how angry they would be? Right. 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 Yeah. And then, like, I've been thinking, children are the biggest rule Pharisees yeah. out there. Like, yeah. they'll... The point of baseball is to have fun, but they'll sacrifice having fun to argue with each other over the rules. Yeah, that's a good point. And we did like that. As, a, we did that as kids, right? I mean, we did that right even before the wiffle ball game started in the backyard. We were establishing where the bases were. Yeah. Right. But it's so I'm not saying I'm not saying it should go so far to like Soviet Russia, where oh, a KGB for sure. yeah. member. Yeah. After you hit a single, the KGB members running behind you to make sure you touch first. Right. I'm just, right. There's definitely a balance, but this whole yeah. like, oh, I'm just going to be me and find me. Like, it's not fun. Right. Well, not only is it not fun, it's not real. It's not real. Right. And, you know, and, and there, there's another, there's another reality too is, um, and so if you live in that make-believe world, you're the only one there. And so how can you possibly relate? How could you possibly be a part of a team or execute the game if every one of those children is doing the same thing? And that's why play is so important, right? Play establishes that shared goal, that shared platform, 
But if you and, and the rules help, the rules help control the play. And if everybody does that, then everybody has fun playing the game. But yeah. if no one does that, or if everybody is playing from a different set of rules, then no one is having fun, and there's no ability to establish the social contract. Yeah, and the, the latchkey, it's 3.30 right now. The latchkey kids out at school right now playing games, I guarantee the first thing they discuss yeah. is the rules. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So yeah, only, in, only in an ivory tower of education could this no rules thing is awesome be created. Right, right. right. Yeah, that that that's a great, you know, and Comer spent to get back to Comer just be, so that just doesn't, this doesn't seem seem disjointed. Comer does talk about in this section on the Sabbath, how the obedience to the Sabbath or, or the, the observance of the Sabbath, the starting point is to obey the commandment, right? <laughs> <Like it's, laughs> I mean, I mean, where, where else does God say you shall take a day to take care of yourself? Yeah, I mean, it must be important because it's in one of yeah. the 10 lines along with don't lie, cheat, or steal, which are pretty big ones. Ex right, exactly. Oh, and murder. Yeah, right, and like adultery. And envy. Yeah. Right, yeah. No, I mean, Comer makes that point. Comer makes the point even more specifically. He says that of all of the commandments, the number of words that God uses to explain the Sabbath is second only to the commandment about idolatry. That's, I mean, so Comer's point is that for us to keep the Sabbath is not only important to us, but it's important to God. And then it, the, the peace of mind it also gives me, like legitimately, is like, hey, my family knows they get unadulterated attention yeah. from me. That's right. That, that I can guarantee them. Like, right. I'll take a call on a Saturday. I love working on Saturdays. Like, I'll try to make deals happen on Saturdays, but it's a it's a boundary. Yeah, yeah. That that that's a good segue too. You know, as we begin to bring our 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 discussion to a close, you know, this whole idea of attention and Comer says that several times. You know, is that look, you know practicing the Sabbath and, and eliminating hurry allows us to put our attention on one thing and one person at a time. Because if we're multitasking or if we are multi, um, what, not being like, present. yeah, not being present, you know, and, and, and if we're giving our attention, or at least a part of our attention, then we're really not giving our full attention to anything. And so Comer's invitation then, along with the invitation of Jesus, is to really focus your attention on, on what's most important. And if you're hurrying then you're not focusing attention. That's his basic thesis. I, I, I mean, I agree with it completely. The, the other thing I'm taking, like, you know, you said we've related this to other podcasts, but whenever I've asked you for advice, you've been pretty much resounding the gong of find some time for silence and solitude and prayer. Yeah, right. And then, 
you you know you I you you haven't necessarily hammered me on the Sabbath, but keep things simple, right? So I don't know if you're intentionally doing this or you just (laughs) arrived with Comer, and then slow down. Like that's essentially what Lent was. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then now imagine being able to take that. And that's the last part of the book where he talks about that fourth discipline, the discipline of slowing. This is what I've taken away from from this book. Now, having read it a couple of times, is his whole idea of margin, margin, more margin, uh, larger margins between commitments, between time, between attention, right? Give yourself more margin. And so that's really changed the way that I even handle the way I schedule appointments, you know, um, is that I don't, you know, put them back to back to back to back to back to back is really applying more margin so that I don't feel so harried and, and, and rushed. And, you know, you said something interesting too, um, you know, before we, we started this podcast too, Jimmy is, is speaking of connections, you know, is this connection between hurrying and nihilism? Do you want to you want to take that on again and, and let the folks know what you were thinking there? Yeah. So um, I thought it was very interesting. Is that the time the time management? I don't know if I want to call them gurus, but the time management thought leaders right now. And what I see is a guy named Ben Hardy. He's a yeah. uh, He's a psychologist, but he focuses on uh, production and he's got great books called 10 X is greater than two X, a gap in the game. Um, And then the way back in the day, the best time management guy was Stephen Covey. Yeah. Uh, Seven habits, highly successful. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's another great book out there called the myth of multitasking. Right. And the, the, the common theme I see on all these writers is they're all believers. They're all very, um, ardent Christians and and then you know ev- evangelizers, but that's yeah. not what they do professionally, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, wow, that's interesting. All these guys trying to show us how to manage our attention better also have a very avid prayer life. Yeah. Right. And and so it's just like, okay, you know, my I'm like, what's going on there? It's like, so if all we do is own our attention and our attention should be directed towards God you know, what's, what's the opposite of this is like, is the, is the devil's perfect dream is that we're all just frantically running around searching for mm-hmm. likes on Instagram and Facebook. Right. That is right on. That is right like, on. No time management person is saying spend time on social media. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good point. And Good I've been point. to, I got, I got to go to, I get, I've gone to church in Cottleville a few times. Yeah. I've been to three different uh, masses where the sermon is like <laughs> the dangers of social media. It was amazing to me when I was in the third different church. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it can definitely get in the way. It can definitely get in the way. Um, that's for sure. So Comer's book um, it ends with a, a very beautiful line from, Um, So after talking about all of this, uh, Comer ends the line with um, from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Um, So uh, friends, we want to recommend to you then 
uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, written by John Mark Comer, um, uh, published by uh, Otter and Stoughton uh, Publishers. Uh, it's a recent book. You can find it, I'm sure, at all. Uh, it's on, on Audible. Or, is it on, it's on Audible, too. I yeah. bought mine off of Amazon. So uh, we recommend it to you, folks. It's 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 a great little read. It's not very long, um, and, and it's very accessible. So we recommend it to you and um, hope that you will get uh, as much out of it as we did. Uh, so we're looking forward uh, then to another uh, podcast uh, next time, friends. We have more great topics coming up, so stay tuned. Uh, Jim, you want to do your thing? Uh, yeah. If you've liked or gotten value on this podcast, please uh, like, subscribe, and share. Right on. And uh, we're together next time. Keep an eye, friends, on uh, the podcast for a next episode to drop. Let's close with a prayer, Jimmy, and then we'll uh, be on our way. Friends, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are the source of every blessing. You give us life. You give us time. You give us the people in our life. And you gave us your son to be our savior and our teacher. Bless our days. May we be good stewards of our days. May we be good stewards of our time. And may we give you your adequate portion. And may all of our moments be full of faith, hope, and love. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, friends, we will see you next time right here on Opening Up the Tent Podcast. Peace out.